Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Elijah Keyes, founding attorney and principal at Keyes Law Group. How are you, Elijah? Doing real well. Thanks so much for having me today. Thanks for jumping on the podcast with me today. We were chatting and uh, you have, I think, some really interesting things that a lot of attorneys can benefit from hearing about ways to run operations, even with a small law firm. So we're going to get into that. But before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit about your practice? Sure. So I've been an estate attorney for almost 15 years now. I worked for other people for a long time and was even a partner at a pretty big firm in Palo Alto and uh, started my own practice so that I'd be closer to my family. So best thing I ever did was to start my own practice because from day one, I got to pick up my kids from school, really. Every day, that is my joy. Uh, We do estate planning, trusts, probate, administration, things like that. However, we specialize really in special needs and incapacity planning. So someone has an elderly parent, they don't know if their parent can sign or not, they bring them here, and we can do evaluations and make sure that we work with the right doctors and professionals to make sure that people's plan is done correctly, and most importantly, that it's enforceable. And how did you end up moving into that specialty? You know, it was just the area that uh, that my first job as an estate attorney went into. I graduated from law school in 2009, and there were no jobs. I had an associate's offer, real estate investment firm, and that went away very quickly just because real estate was nothing in 2009. That was when the dot-com and real estate crashes happened. And so I received a job offer for an elder law and estate planning firm. And that's where I started and went from there. Awesome. And you were at a firm um, doing very well, and you chose to leave and start your own firm. Sounds like it's working out really well for you. But what in that first year, what were some of the challenges that you really had to overcome? You know, the challenge was we're staying organized. I have ADHD, adult attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. That is really my golden key to doing my job well. It helps me to see very complicated situations from a very high level and find a way through. But it can be difficult with executive functioning. And so uh, designing the, the infrastructure of the firm was mainly when I first started. It was just me sitting in my back bedroom at a card table. Frankly, that's where I started. Um, it was designing the infrastructure to provide the fewest number of tools necessary and the most amount of uh, tracking and accountability so that I could do my job effectively with just myself without relying upon anybody else. I love how you took ADHD and made it uh, a positive and you're leveraging it for its strengths. How did you go about designing those systems in your firm? So I have a tech background. I trained as a C++ programmer in high school and I did data testing on things and so uh, different programs. And so I understand the basics of how uh, systems work. And so I designed systems based upon my understanding of the uh, digital infrastructure and tried to design my firm as to be as flexible as possible. So for example, we started with Dropbox because it was the easiest to establish, but it also allowed me, Dropbox, of course, if your viewers don't know, is a, is a, a, a digital uh, data storage mechanism to share information between machines. Um, and so I started with Dropbox so that I could set up uh, different users and share files with them confidentially so that so that my other data was segregated. 
I used contract paralegals for the first year, year and a half before I got full-time staff and it worked really well. Second thing that I did was I, I got a really good case management system. I mean, it was it was essential to have a really good one. My case management system, I use Clio in case anybody's interested. It had not only a marketing funnel system, but it also allowed for uh, synchronization with sending information, requesting information, preparing documents, as well as billing, collection, and tracking of trust accounts. And so it was a tool that I still rely on today, although we're moving forward from that one now, now that we're scaling. Got it. Got it. When you chose Clio, what were some of the reasons why you chose that one? Uh, number one, because it was a market leader and it had the most built out integrations with other tools. It seemed to work best with the tools that I needed at that time. Now, now that we're scaling, now we have different needs. So I'm giving a presentation on technology this week, actually to attorneys. And my uh, the crux of my point is, or the crux of my my I guess presentation is the fact that technology is a tool, and it really needs to fit the needs of your organization at the time that's that it's established. Because technology tools are always improving and always changing, it's important to be aware that it needs to evolve over time. As your organization changes, the needs change. Therefore, the tools should change as well. It's a fantastic point, and most of the attorney entrepreneurs listening don't have your tech background and don't know the difference between C plus plus and C sharp, uh, let alone you know. Uh, how to how to read code and write code. Um, what advice would you give to them when they when it comes to evaluating their technology and determining you know when it's time to make a change? The best book that I've read about running a small business was the E Myth. It's the first one that I read, and in the E Myth they describe four different types of money in any any small business that someone's starting. You have of course revenue that's money coming in. You have um, uh, I'm sorry, revenue, you have flow, which is the expense that you use to um, to uh, to actually do the work that you need. And then you have profit, and then you have one other that escapes me at the moment. But really, it's a designation of flow. How do you use uh, the tools available to you and how do you maximize their effectiveness? And so I'll give you one example. Um, uh, about a year ago, my team was mailing in all of our deeds. We mailed all deeds to all counties. It took about two weeks to get to get the deed back. We had to do checks. It was, it was very burdensome. And so I learned from a friend that you can actually apply to become a registered online e-recorder so you can record doc you can record deeds online. And so I went through an evaluation of what the cost would be. It's uh, 85 to 100 bucks per document. How much would how much time would it take our organization to maintain our registration a couple hours a year? And how much time were we actually spending on each deed? And so I found that we that it took 13 to 14 different touches with five different individuals in the organization to, to file one deed, and it took two weeks of follow-up. That amounted to about two to $300 per deed minimum, yet the cost to record on another organization could be $80. So we simply did a flow evaluation, and we determined that e-recording was less expensive for our, for our group. That might not be the right thing for other organizations. Maybe they want to use a title company. Maybe they want to walk the deed into the recorder's office because their office is across the street. It just depends upon their group. Yeah, one way you can look at that, attorney entrepreneurs, is you can look at where you're spending your time. If you find that you're doing tasks that you think to yourself, you know, we shouldn't have to be doing the same thing over and over again and taking up all of our time doing this. We have, there's better uses for our time. That there is a flag that, you can make a change potentially. You can implement technology, you can implement systems, you can implement assistance, um, you know, but 
those are some of the things that you look for. What are the areas where you're spending your time where you think, this is not the best use of my time, <laughs> but me and my team, we're spending a lot of our time doing this. Exactly. It, for us, at least, uh, we, we do flow evaluations whenever we see that something looks inefficient. And uh, it's, it's really hard to know at your firm what things are taking what time. And so the thing that is absolutely invaluable is that I ask my staff to record their time, not because I want to hold them accountable for being productive. They're hard workers. I hire people because they're intelligent and they want to work hard. Okay. But um, but we we do we uh, we ask people to record their time so that we can evaluate the efficiency of different tools and tasks. And so we move forward with different tools if they're more efficient, most importantly, if they provide a good product. Fantastic. I love that philosophy. And yes. For all you estate planners that are out there and other attorneys who are out there who are maybe doing flat fee work or fixed fee work, tracking your time is still incredibly important because it uncovers all sorts of things about how you run your firm and the opportunities that, that you have to run it even better. Elijah, I want to switch over a little bit now to marketing. Yeah, love to hear about how your firm typically gets their clients. So a lot of our clients come from Google. Just because in our location, uh, there are not very many competing estate planners. We are finding that we have reached kind of the upper threshold. And this is a challenge that we have right now. Uh, when I first started, almost all of my clients came from direct referral. And we receive, we receive a lot of referrals from friends and partners and colleagues. And we're very grateful for that. Uh, something that we're finding challenging is scaling above our location. And it may be a factor of location or it may be a factor of trying to find a way to stay relevant with uh, with different um, friends and referral partners at the time that a client crosses their desk, so that's something that we're that we're struggling with. But it, you know, I think that's a struggle for a lot of people. So um, I, I love any any kind of input that you might have. I know there's no silver bullet for marketing, and each person has their own sort of mentality and approach. And you know, some people are well, and some people don't do so well. So yeah, the approach we take is we start. When we're working with clients, we start uh, by figuring out what the attorney's key message is. And our point behind that is that is going to be really important because your message is going to drive the kind of clients who are going to be really great fits for the firm. And that's also going to drive the different marketing tactics that are be really good fit for, for the attorney and the firm. So by message, we're talking about two things. We're talking about passion. We're talking about value. And that's why a client will buy from an attorney because they appreciate their passion. It's true, believe it or not, your passion matters. And of course, they appreciate your expertise. So it really takes those two things. Once you have that, it gives you a good sense for who your ideal client really is. And then our marketing engages from there. So Elijah, if you were to describe your ideal client, um, what would that what would that person be like? Sure. So our avatar is uh, someone who's between the ages of 45 and 65. Uh, they have uh, family members that they'd like to protect. So they're looking at protecting either elderly parents, well children, or ill children. They're mostly concerned about making sure that things are done right and done well. They're not so concerned with cost. They're more concerned with making sure that they do things the correct way. That means that they have an appreciation of the value of their time. They have an appreciation of the value of expertise. They also have an appreciation of the people around them and why things are important to them. And so when you're thinking about marketing tactics that work for that kind of client, and I didn't hear a geography in there, there may be something, there may not. But when you're looking at marketing tactics for that for that avatar or that persona or that ideal client, they're all different terms to describe the same kind of thing. There's marketing tactics that make sense. And there's ones that don't. And so a certain number of those clients, certain percentage of those clients will go on Google and try and find somebody. Many of them, to your point, will not. 
And that's where referral partners are so important. And there may be other things that they're looking for, such as community involvement, such as resources that they can actually latch onto and use, whether whether casts or downloadable white papers or, or whatever that might be. And it may even be looking at the website and looking at things like, okay, well, maybe we should implement some videos because our clients, these are the kinds of people who are in Silicon Valley. They like to, they like to get a lot of free information to learn off of. So let's make sure we populate our site with content-rich information, video, as well as written to really help them through that education process. And then we can promote the site and, and get people to then give us a call when they're ready to take the next step. I'm glad that you mentioned that because we actually have a list. I'm very bad at doing them, but we have a list of 10 scripts that I'm working through. I think we just did our third one. And so when we get 10, uh, 10 on, this, on the YouTube channel that we plan to publish, I've realized that the first few that we're doing are really bad. And I think that's just because we're not very good at them, but you know, there's no way that we're going to get better unless we do them. So my goal is to do at least two per week. They don't take very long, you know, three or four minute video. You have to do a couple of takes. And then, you know, you get it ready, slap it up on the YouTube channel, and then you publish. So I think we should have a YouTube channel published by the end of July. Fantastic. That's awesome. So that's kind of the process we go through with uh, with our clients. Um, of course, it takes a lot longer than just five minutes, but um, that's sure, a little bit. Of course. And then, of course, the other piece of this is clients refer other clients. And so I'm not saying you don't have this, Elijah. We I don't know what you have and what you don't have, but uh, just the attorney entrepreneurs that are listening um, having a really strong client referral program, which means staying in contact with your clients over time and making and letting them know that you're open to receiving referrals is oftentimes a really nice way to drive really high quality clients your way. That's a really good idea. How what sort of client referral program would you view implementing? I mean, what what are the features of a program like that? Well, there's a couple of things. One is the ratings. So whether it's Google reviews or Yelp, uh, encouraging your best clients to leave positive reviews, not asking for a five-star review, of course, but asking the clients who are likely to give you a five-star review to give you a review is a nice way to organically boost that up and indirectly get referrals. The other way uh, is to hold some sort of an appreciation event for your clients on an annual basis. It could be a picnic. It could be something more uh, more informative, more educational, but to do something for them. And then when they're there, remind them that, look, you know, if you know someone who can benefit from these kinds of things, we'd love to speak with them. Or even I've had clients who have said, look, we'll invite you and please bring somebody who you think could benefit from this information. Um, and oftentimes the client will bring uh, a potential refer referral right into the room with them. It's a really powerful way to do it. And of course, the third way to do it is newsletters. And I've heard people are very opinionated about this stuff. I have some people who say, absolutely, print is dead. Why do you want to waste your money sending out a printed newsletter to all your clients? It's a colossal waste of effort. And I have other clients who have gotten fantastic results by sending printed newsletters and absolutely swear by them. So my suggestion uh, to attorneys, especially estate planning attorneys, is to try both because estate planning attorneys have such wonderful relationships with their clients. It really is. And it's something that can be leveraged over time. And now, let's face it, their needs are going to change over time. And, and when they do, um, they need to be aware of it. And that means that you have a reason to reach out to them every six months at the very, at the very least, uh, if not more often. That's a really good idea. Thanks. I think, I think we'll, uh, we're, we were thinking about implementing some of those, but we'll, uh, we'll take a look at those, put it in our marketing plan for sure. And, and you know, I mean, the list, 
the list goes on. When it comes to marketing, you're only limited by your imagination, really. <laughs> There's all sorts of interesting things that you can do. And the, the key thing is to actually find some way to figure out, is your marketing tactic working or not? And Elijah, you're a real systems guy and Clio has Clio Grow built into it. So I'd love to get a sense for how do you know if a marketing tactic is working? So that's a that's a challenge for us. Uh, certainly, we track every single lead that comes in and we track it in Clio Grow. Even the clients that don't hire us, we track every single lead, how they found us. Once that's tracked, then, of course, we move the information over to Clio Manage. Something that we do is we send uh, gifts and thank yous to our referral partners who are sending us great things. I think we just sent out a, a bunch of them for a summertime gift, right? Um, and, you know, that's, that's, you know, some people might see it as bribery. I see it more as a thank you. Professionals have a hundred different people that they can send work to, and they choose to send it to us. And I'm really thankful for that. I'm thankful for their for their commitment and their belief in us. And so I, I want to reward that. So we send them a, send them a gift. I think that the um, I think the thank you event is a big deal. I think that people really resonate with that. So I think that we'll start doing that. I don't know how to track specific referrals because of those individual marketing efforts. Because although Clio Grow does track referrals. What it doesn't do is it doesn't track specific referral measures. What we've done instead is we have different handouts that we that we give out at different events. For example, when we do a seminar versus when we versus when someone comes into the office versus when we hand out cards to professionals. On those, on each of those, there's actually a QR code that we have to 10 different landing pages on our website. And so we're able to track where people come from if they source us through the website. Then we can track what QR code they scanned if in, for, if in fact they scanned the QR code. We haven't yet been able to track that so well, but uh, but we're going to keep it running. We'll we'll see if it works. That's awesome. And some you know you're not going to be able to track every lead that comes in. You're not going to be able to track it back to a marketing source. It's just not not realistic. But it sounds like you have a really good sense of it, and you are tracking your leads. And uh, again, attorney entrepreneurs, that is super important to know where your leads are coming from. You will do marketing where you're not going to be able to track you know, how many leads came from this event or that event. But hopefully, if you have a marketing plan and you execute the plan over three months and then you let it run for another three months, you can assess your leads over that six-month period and hopefully the trend will be up and to the right. And that gives you a sense that you know what you're doing is paying off. If you do a bunch of things in marketing and the, you know, the incoming leads stay flat or go down, <laughs> you know something is wrong and, and needs to be addressed. I, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, Elijah, you mentioned you might be moving on to a different technology beyond Clio, a different platform. It's totally okay if you don't want to share it with us, but if you do, we'd love to hear about it. You know, what we're not looking for, we're not looking specifically for a case management system. What we're looking for is a work track flow system. And what, uh, what's been recommended many times is, uh, is the TPS system. That was the Toyota uh, practice system. Uh, it's modernly called a Kanban system. I think that Clio Grow as a function uses a Kanban system for their pipeline, but we would like to implement the Kanban system for tracking case flow going forward. Right now we use Clio and Clio is very good at creating task lists and they're very efficient with that, but we'd like a more graphical representation just so that you can easily track things. We're testing different systems now. We're on the fence between going forward with Monday.com and even Microsoft Planner which has a task-based system. And so we're not really sure what to implement yet. We're still testing and still exploring. It's important that when we choose a tool, that the tool maximizes functionality. And so that's really what we're looking for because you know a, a tool, the cost of a tool is nominal compared to the amount of time that it can save you. So we're just trying to make sure that we make the right decision. 
Awesome. And Elijah, when you're evaluating a tool, if you could just elaborate for us how important it is to have requirements already written out before you start shopping around for a tool. It is essential. So what we did for the past year was we built out an administrative manual. It took blood, sweat, and tears. It's still an ongoing process. But uh, I recently hired, I think four months ago now, I hired a new admin slash marketing person. And to get her up and running with administrative tasks took literally four hours because she sat with me for an hour. We went over employment issues. Then she sat with my current assistant three hours to learn how to use Clio. And then we said, there's an admin manual. Go and read it if you have any questions. And she, we use it as a reference guide. So now if someone is onboarding with us with a, with a firm, I'm sorry, not a firm, a new employee is onboarding with us, there is an administrative manual. Probably the most important thing that we've done has been an ad- admin manual because if we need something changed, if we need something done, we update the admin manual. So I know something that my staff really kind of grumbles about. Uh, we sit, we talk about procedures, uh, we talk about how things are going. And then my staff will say, okay, well, I guess that's the plan. And my plan, I'll turn to the person who's in charge of that or of that program and I'll say, will you please write up a system for it, put it in our admin manual and send an email to everybody. And they know what's coming. So last thing that happened to me probably in the last month and a half was I was going out of town for a business trip. Before I left, my staff called me and they said, we need to have a procedures meeting because we need to go over a procedure. And uh, And so we sat. It wasn't clear whose fault the issue was. It didn't really matter. What mattered was with that we had a breakdown in the firm, in the company, in the information flow. So we needed to be efficient. We needed accountability. We needed a direction. And so they talked about it. They said, this is what we think we should do. I made a few tweaks and they wrote it up. So now we don't have people problems. We haven't had people problems. We have procedure problems. And if we focus on the procedures, you know, bad apples, if people don't want to work, they're going to show themselves really clearly. But if you have hard workers and you set up good procedures and people are smart, you have a great team. We have a really good team here. Elijah, congrats on all your success. One of the hardest things is building a really strong, well-aligned team that's process-oriented. It sounds like you have a lot of that in place. And you mentioned that you're looking to scale up. So I'd love to hear from you. What is your kind of your dream law firm, the law firm you're trying to build? Dream law law firm for me is to take me largely out of the production process. I'm a good lawyer. I want to be a better businessman. And so I'd like to scale scale the firm so that we have one or two attorneys working for me who do the bulk of the work with clients. I'm happy to meet with clients. I'm happy to handle issues. But I'd like someone else to do the day-to-day operations so that I can actually build the business end of the firm. And that's really what I enjoy. What I found my passion is, is helping clients solve problems and building systems to help us be more efficient in making them work. And so I, th- I think that if that's where I want to live, then my goal then is to scale the firm to the point when we can have two full-time employee, two full two two five two uh, two full-time attorneys. Sorry about that. Two full-time attorneys working for me and have appropriate staffing so that we can keep our flat fee model, uh, and then take me completely out of the production process because sometimes I'm the bottleneck. Yeah, that that absolutely happens when the law firm is growing. I love that you have a very very focused vision for the firm you're trying to create. And when you're out of the production process, you mentioned working on the business aspects of the firm. Uh, to what end? Are you looking to grow it beyond that? Or are you looking at taking a lot of time off? Or you know, what's the driver? No, we don't want to take time off. I think my my main the main thing that I'm interested in is I'm interested in starting multiple businesses. And so associated with our law firm, I think what we really like to do is we like to find other types of law that we can provide to people. So when you're thinking, you know, a large law firm like a, a huge multinational law firm. 
what what they do is they essentially have many small law firms inside their business that operate different types of practices. I think that we're eventually going to go that way. I'm just not sure which way we're going to go. Fantastic. I look forward to hearing all about your journey, Elijah. It sounds awesome. And you guys are poised for growth. Looks like you're looking to hire an attorney at some point here in the near future. Right. So what what we try to do is we try to track our uh, revenue metrics pretty carefully. We track, we track revenue to determine when we need to hire, when we need to scale, when we need to kind of focus on the company itself rather than scaling. So right now, revenue is somewhat flat. And I think that's largely because of the economy and because it's summer. You know, summertime is really slow for estate planners. And so we're not sure when we're going to scale for that, probably within a year, but not definitely not within six months. So if people are listening to this podcast and they think, oh, Elijah's looking, I'm not looking today. I'm probably looking in six months. Oh, the podcast is going to be on our page for a very long time. So oh, that's okay. you have that going for you. Yep. And attorney entrepreneurs, just so you know, um, yes, business ebbs and flows. And yes, summer is a slow month for a lot of, or a slow season for a lot of practice areas, but there's people out there that need your work. So if you're in aggressive growth mode, um, go after it. Don't take the summer off because oftentimes that's when you're going to find some fantastic clients and get after it. These clients are absolutely out there. Elijah, what's something that you're really looking forward to over the next six months or so? I think my family at the end of the summer is taking a three-day trip to a safari in Santa Rosa. There's apparently a bunch of African animals that live at a safari zone in Santa Rosa. We're going to we're gonna go glamping. I hate glamping, but my family likes it. They, you know, Camping at a, at a resort, it's not camping. Camping with me is a backpack. But uh, they're going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy my time with them. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, the thing, the thing that I've learned about being an entrepreneur is I can, I can spend, you know, 80 hours a week at work, uh, and I can push my firm forward doing that. But what am I missing? I'm missing the time that's most important. And so I really love a book called The Goal by Eliyahu Rosenblatt, and he explains that you always have to look at the end goal. And so the goal of my law firm is to enable my family to spend time together in a reliable way and enable me to actually enrich the lives of people around me, clients, employees, community. That's what we try to do. Yeah, I love that book, The Goal. I think he also wrote The Chain or something like that. Oh, I can't remember. I haven't read any more of his books, but the books that I'm that I'm really enjoying are the books where the business books, which which are a novel in story form, are, are, are a novel in business, business advice form. So one that I finished fairly recently is called The 5 a.m. Club. Uh, talks about production early in the morning. And then there's another one called The Goal. And there's portions of the book called Traction that have a lot of stories in them. I love the stories. I, I can I can read, anybody can write a business book. No, not anybody can write a book that actually has so many secrets in it that's entertaining at the same time. Yeah, Pentraglancioni, of course, does that better than almost anybody. Elijah, if someone wants to reach you and contact you and connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? They can just call our firm. 408-766-7668 is our phone number. You can also reach our us on our website, www.keyslawgroup.com, K-E-Y-E-S lawgroup.com. Something that I love to do is I love to talk about business. I, I'm passionate about business. I'm passionate about the business of law. I'm passionate about systems. But one thing that I can't do is I can't give away my time. Um, and so if people want to reach me, if they want to talk about these things, I'm more than happy to have a conversation with any attorney that wants to talk about it. But I would say, come to Milpitas, which is kind of this little podunk community. Come to Milpitas. We'll go to lunch. We'll have a good time. Awesome. Elijah, thank you for being on Lawyer Business Advantage and congratulations on your success. All the best. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. 
one thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.